Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Notice what it says in that verse. Through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I simply believe it. Paul says, when I found the real answer, when I met the real Jesus, I became spiritually rich one way. By faith alone in Jesus Christ. And now I have a vibrant living relationship with God. We all know that we aren't as good as we should be. Our consciences tell us when we fail. And so we try to figure out a way to please whatever higher being we think we need to please. We do good deeds, pursue philanthropic endeavors, and whatever else we can think will do the job, all to no avail. Pastor Mark tells us of the Apostle Paul's attempt to do the same thing and how he found the true way to become right with God. It was by realizing that there was nothing he could do on his own, by acknowledging Receiving what Christ has done, he, Paul, was made right before God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 3 with part one of his message, Knowing Christ Better. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Philippians 3, verse 7. We're in a series going through the book of Philippians verse by verse called Contagious Outrageous Joy. Now I want to see if you can finish, I want to see if you can finish this statement for me. So get ready. Here we go. Wake up and smell the, the coffee. How many like coffee? Yeah, good stuff. You know, a few years ago, coffee was no good for you. But now it's good for you. In a few years, it'll be no good for you again. Just forget it. Drink the coffee. Amen? How many like strong coffee? Okay, good. We got great coffee, by the way, at our cafes, in case you don't know it. It's fresh, just been roasted. Well, speaking of coffee, my wife and I have been to Indonesia And there's a very interesting coffee in Indonesia that costs $50 a cup. What does it look like? If you ever saw the bucket movie, the bucket list, you heard about it. Let me, it's called kopi, which means coffee in Indonesia, and luwak, kopi luwak. Why does it cost $50 a cup? Well, here's why. See this little animal right down here? Well, he climbs up into the coffee trees. And he eats all the beans. Just let your imagination run wild. And when the beans come out, they kind of look like this over there. 
And then it's roasted. And it's known throughout the world as the best coffee you can ever buy. 50, it's, it's $190, I think it is, a pound, but $50 in the United States, $9 only over in Indonesia. Now, I've been to Indonesia, but over my dead body, <laughs> am I drinking a cup of that stuff? If it goes in and comes out, let it come out, but somewhere else, amen? Coffee. So today, we're going to study the Apostle Paul. He never visited Indonesia, thank God. But he's going to wake up, and spiritually, he's going to smell the coffee. You see, Paul was self-righteous. He was very religious. He was the cream of the crop as far as Jewish Pharisees. But he's going to wake up, and he's going to come to reality when I looked at that statement of wake up and smell the coffee, I kind of thought I knew what it meant. So I looked it up, and here's what it really means. It is often said to a person who's oblivious. They're not paying attention to reality. They're not paying attention to what's going on around them. So today, Paul is going to wake up, and he's going to pay attention to what really matters Will you just turn to your neighbor and say, wake up and smell the coffee. Go ahead and just tell them right now, would you? <laughs> Not the Indonesian coffee, the coffee you like. The coffee you like. Definitely, we're not going to Kopi Luwak. All right. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But whatever was to my prophet... I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul was an amazing man. Every year this time, CNN does this thing called Heroes of the Year. And they have all these people, and very interesting kind of things. I, I watched this one last night, actually. His name is Evans Wadongo. And he invented a way for rural families in Kenya who... The only light they have after dark is a kerosene lamp. They can't afford the kerosene most of the time. So the kids, when they come home from school, they're in the dark. They can't study. They can't do anything. There's, there's no lights. So he invented this firelight with solar-powered lanterns. And they went over to Kenya and showed the picture. And it was, it was awesome. These kids are studying now, and they, and they can study with a solar-powered lantern. He's one of these guys that's going to be in the running for the greatest hero of 2010. Well, if you take the clock and go back 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul, who is initially his name was Saul, Saul of Tarsus, he would have been the winner of the CNN Hero of the Year. He made the headlines that everybody read. He was a religious zealot of the year. Saul had been one of the greatest religious Jews that ever lived. He outstripped all of his contemporaries. In fact, A.T. Robinson makes a great statement. He says this, A marvelous record Saul had. He scored a hundred in Judaism. But notice in verse 7, the word but. Something changed. 
One day, while Saul was riding to Damascus to kill Christians, to rid the world of Christians, he hated them. Saul woke up and he smelled the coffee. For the first time in his life, he paid attention to what was really real. It was an eye-opening experience. And on that road to Damascus, he had a life-changing experience, which happened because he met Jesus personally. Now, keep your finger right there. And let's go back to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9. Now, how did this happen? And what actually happened to the Apostle Paul? Remember, he's a Jew of all Jews. He thinks he has it all together. He keeps the law perfectly. He's spotless. He's blameless. And he hated Jesus. Now, he knew Jesus was real. But he certainly didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. We begin in verse 1, Acts chapter 9. Well, meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Well, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground And amazingly, he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul responded, Who are you, Lord? Who am I speaking to? And the response from heaven, think about it, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. You see, this blazing light and voice from heaven actually happened. Instantly, it changed Saul. The false Messiah is real. And not only that, this false Messiah, Jesus, knew his name. For the first time, Saul realized there was someone perfectly righteous, but it wasn't him. You see, this smell of the coffee experience humbled Saul because everything he thought about getting to God, being good enough, keeping the law, doing all the religious things, everything he had thought all his life was wrong, a hundred percent wrong. All his earthly accomplishments, his perfect score in religion were gone. Saul knew And this is a shocker. He had lived his entire life on the wrong road. He thought he was headed to heaven, but he wasn't even on the right road. He was on the road of trying to be good enough, and it was a dead end. Now that's a wake up and smell the coffee day. Well, look what happens in verse 6. Now get up. Jesus says to him, go into the city and you will be told what you must do. You see, now instead of being self-dependent, instead of making all his own decisions, Saul would become 
a follower of Jesus, the last thing he ever thought he would be. Saul would be dependent now on God and God's wisdom. Now go back to Philippians chapter 3 where you left your finger, verse 7. Notice in this verse 7, he summarizes this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Notice what he says. He's thinking back to this time years ago. But whatever was to my prophet, whatever I thought was going to get me to God, get me to heaven, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. On that road to Damascus, Paul accepted the only way to God, Jesus. He offered Jesus free offer of salvation, immediately stopped trusting in his own good works. He no longer became religious or lived that kind of a religious dead-end life, but he began a relationship with this Jesus Christ. You see, his perspective had changed. He woke up spiritually, and he smelled the coffee. Well, notice what he says in verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness Here's a term we're going to come to a number of times. Of knowing Jesus Christ. Notice the word, my Lord. For whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish. That I might gain Christ. That I might have this relationship with Christ. And now look at verse 9. And be found in him. Not having a righteousness, not being right with God of my own that comes from religion or from the law, but that which is true faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. So look at that first word, be found in him. Paul says, my whole goal is to be found in him. It means a relationship. Now, Paul wants to be found in him. Paul says that God found him. Did God find him? Yeah. On the road to Damascus, who made the first move on that encounter we just read? Who made made the first move? God did. See, Saul was off going to do his God thing, which wasn't a God thing. And God made the first move. You need to understand this morning that God always makes the first move in our life. You say, well, Pastor Mark, that's not really true because I'm here today and I'm searching for purpose and meaning in life. I made the first move, and I hope you can give me an answer to my questions. So you're wrong in saying God made the first move. I made the first move. I'm here in this church service. I'm watching by the Internet because I'm searching for purpose and meaning. Well, I beg to differ with you. Who put you in the search mode? God did. You see, Ecclesiastes tells us, Solomon says, that God put eternity in our heart. So until I come to a relationship with God, I'm always in the search mode. You see, amazingly, Paul wasn't even in the search mode. So God had to go, wrong road. You'll never get to heaven by your own good works. And he stopped immediately, changed, made a U-turn, and headed back to following Jesus Christ. Notice the next thing. Not only be found in him, but look at the key words. In him. It's a relationship. 
A living union with God. Paul wants to be him. Paul wants to live in such a way that when the end of his life comes, he will be found by God in Christ, having a relationship with Christ. Let me, let me show you how that works today. This Bible being open, let's just use that as a representing Christ. And let's use this little bookmark today right here. That's your life. What is Paul saying? He says, I want God to know that when I come to the end of my life, I'm in Christ. I have a relationship with him. And by the way, when that happens, and this is Christ, and I'm in Christ, and when God looks at me, who does he look through first? He looks through Christ, and Christ is perfect. So I'm in Christ, and I'm righteous. That's a great thing in your life. You see, he doesn't look at you and your righteousness. He looks in the righteousness of God. I'm right with God because I'm in Christ. Now, here's a huge question. Are you in Christ? See, if you're not, you won't like the end of your life. You're going to stand before God, well, as you. And you have nothing to get rid of your sin, which separates you from the Holy God. There's only one that gets rid of our sin. Jesus Christ, who takes away the sins of the whole world. So if you want to end up in heaven, somewhere you have to become in Christ. And that's simply called salvation. That's what happened to the Apostle Paul. So notice what he says. I want to be found in Christ, in a living relationship with him. Now, look at John 14, 20. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Then look how it continues to go. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. In other words, Paul puts all his religion aside. He leaves it alone. And really what he says in that verse is something interesting to you and me this morning. He could use a word called bankrupt. Now, if I mention that word to you today, bankrupt, tough word. But we're talking about it physically. A home a car, all your finances. Tough stuff. But Paul talks about it spiritually. Paul says, when I looked at my life, when I had an encounter with Jesus, here's what he discovered. Write this down. Paul says, I was spiritually bankrupt. I had nothing to offer God but my dead good works. I was totally spiritually bankrupt. And then he said, because of that, I set it all aside and I became righteous. The only way you can become righteous, and that's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Notice what it says in that verse, through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I simply believe it. Paul says, when I found the real answer, when I met the real Jesus... I became spiritually rich one way, by faith alone in Jesus Christ. And now I have a vibrant living relationship with God. 
I want you to write this down. You know it. Being right with God is simply a gift. Just receive it. You can't earn it. You can't go to church to get it. You can't be good enough. You just receive the gift. And that puts you in Christ and you have a vibrant relationship. Now, I want us to stop for a moment and I want you to think about this illustration that I'm going to use this morning. On the road to Damascus, Paul had heard about Jesus. Paul knew that he was a real man that lived, but, but he really, he didn't believe definitely there was Messiah. But after his personal encounter with Jesus, he knew this. And you'll write this down later, but you don't need to write it down. But I want you to think about this. Paul discovered that Jesus was real. He was really God. He was in heaven speaking to him. You know this morning that Jesus is real? I want you to picture this chair as your devotion time, your quiet place at home, wherever that is, in your office or front room or a favorite chair. Yeah. So let's say tomorrow morning we're having our devotion and we have our Bible out and we're studying a little bit. And all of a sudden the light shows in the room. And I look up and there's Jesus in my room. Now, do you believe that could happen? Sure it could. Absolutely. He's a spirit. He can show up in whatever form he needed to. By the way, in case you don't know, Jesus is here right now today. Jesus is real. He's walking up and down these aisles. He's real. He's speaking to your heart. Doesn't matter what campus, doesn't matter where in the world you're watching by the internet. Jesus is real. But we often don't think of that. So let's say he appears here tomorrow morning in your quiet time and you had the Bible open. You go, whoa, whoa, whoa. And as you do that, he says to you this question. And how would you respond? He says to you, you're studying about me in the next 20 minutes. I want you to tell me, Jesus, everything you know about me. I want you to tell me everything you know about me. What would you say? How much do we know about Jesus? I mean, if he's real, if he's our savior, if he's the only way we're going to get to heaven. I mean, I, I should know some things about him, shouldn't I? I mean, he's a real person. But sometimes we go years and years and years. Kind of religion. We sang about Jesus today. Lift him higher. Lift him higher. Lift who higher? Jesus. You see, if you're married, let's just say you've been married 30 years. Do you think you know your spouse more today than 30 years ago? Hello? Hello? If you don't, you're already divorced. Today, Pastor Mark shared the Apostle Paul's conversion experience, noting the radical change in his life after his personal encounter with Jesus. Although we didn't have quite the same magnitude of interaction with Christ, it's easy to say that our lives have exhibited much the same kind of change. It makes leaving our past life behind totally worth the cost. 
you don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, we'll continue with the teaching, Knowing Christ Better. Pastor Mark will contrast man's attempt to reach God, which is religion, with having a personal, ongoing relationship with Jesus. Using the Apostle Paul as his example, we will discover the steps needed to deepen our relationship with Christ. We'll also find out how this change in our lives affects how we view others. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.